Welcome back to Down to Mars and happy Women's History Month. We have just wrapped up Women's Entrepreneurship Week and it was an absolutely incredible experience. There were so many wonderful events hosted by the brilliant women of the Milky Way, otherwise known as Milwaukee. I especially had a great time hosting Jet Constellation's first event of the year, the Milky Way Entrepreneurs Connect, where entrepreneurs from around the city came to network and discover the many resources the city has to offer. It was really a great time, truly, and I am looking forward to continuing the momentum of entrepreneurship in the Milky Way. In honor of Women's History Month, today's shooting star features Dr. Shirley Ann Jackson. Dr. Shirley Ann Jackson is a theoretical physicist and famous black inventor who has been credited with making many advances in science. She first developed an interest in science and mathematics during her childhood and conducted experiments and studies such as those on the eating habits of honeybees. Y'all know how important the honeybees are. She followed this interest to the Massachusetts Institute of Technology, otherwise known as MIT where she received a bachelor and doctoral degree, all in the field of physics. In doing so, she became the first ever African-American woman to earn a PhD from MIT. Hashtag inspired. Jackson conducted successful experiments in theoretical physics and used her knowledge of physics to foster advances in telecommunications research while working at Bell Laboratories. Dr. Jackson conducted breakthrough basic scientific research that enabled others to invent the portable fax, touch-tone telephone, solar cells, fiber optic cables, and the technology behind caller ID and call waiting. Currently, Jackson is the president of Rensselaer Polytechnic Institute, which is the oldest technologic technological research university in the United States and recently ranked by U.S. News and World Report as one of the nation's top 50 universities. The mission of Rensselaer since its founding in 1824 has been to apply science to the common purposes of life. Dr. Jackson's goal for Rensselaer is to achieve prominence in the 21st century as a top tier world-class technological research university with global reach and global impact. So here is a small clip of Dr. Jackson at the 2018 Rensselaer Commencement Address. Humanity needs young men and women who refuse to stop at arbitrary barriers, who are willing to cross borders others are too timid to cross in order to create a strong future for yourselves and to make a better, more secure, sustainable, and fruitful world. Never allow anyone or anything to undermine your confidence. You all have the potential to build unique careers and to uplift lives. So make the unpredicted leaps, form the unanticipated collaborations, try the unexpected instruments, and address the unforeseen challenges with all the courage you can muster. I thought that clip was just so inspiring and I had to share. Dr. Shirley Ann Jackson. 
Our tech topic for today is the influence of technology on the logistics industry. So in today's competitive business environment, getting the correct products to the right place at the right time in the most cost-effective manner is absolutely paramount for a business's success. So to stay ahead, tech smart operations savvy professionals are using logistics and supply chain mobile applications as must-have tools for operational excellence. These apps help companies achieve every business process from tracking inventory and shipments to booking meetings with clients to tracking tasks and projects. There are even apps that can replace the traditional logbook to make your job easier. Logistics apps range from appointment booking, and right away what comes to mind is Booksy or StyleQ, shameless plug, a partnered company with Jet Constellations. Um, they also range from trucking applications, inventory optimization software, uh, customer relationship management, field service management, warehouse management systems, you name it. The need for an app which integrates the logistics industry with the on-demand business model and logistic advancements of companies such as Uber is really high. And the development is in a niche field for a relatively new market, which is prime for investment. These mobile apps make transportation and delivery services easier by simplifying work costs and gradually improving sales while outsourcing the costs and expenses of running a logistics business. If you're thinking about building out a mobile app in the logistics industry, consider the following tips. When developing your mobile logistics application, legitimizing your app is absolutely essential. You want the people providing the service, whether it's your carriers or stylists, educators, whatever field you're targeting in this logistics app, to be legitimate so your customers trust your app services to get the job done. Makes sense. Before you start developing your app, consider pre-screening those that will be providing those services. Review their reputation from uh, previous clients and potentially create a database of reliable sources providing the services to make sure there are no illegal folks or um, crummy, crummy service providers using your app. Through your logistics app, your customers should be able to find the services or resources that you're connecting them to easily. For instance, if you are thinking about starting a trucking logistics app, customers should be able to find the carriers in their area easily. Consider taking care of issues that hinder um, the process, such as insurance, documentation, payment processing, delivery confirmation, which further incentivizes customers to use your app, whether your customers are individuals or uh, shipping companies, etc. So to ensure that your logistics app is successful, have the entire logistics process covered from start to finish, integrating a manner of features, including um, real-time location tracking, targeted delivery of services, um, serv service schedule management, and an integrated payments system. There is an $800 billion logistics industry ready for you to tap into. So, of course, if you have an idea you would like to pursue, contact Jet Constellations for further inquiries. Shameless plug once again. <laughs> Earlier, we had the opportunity to speak with Jeffrey Pugh, 
a consultant at Accenture, and head of legal at an up-and-coming startup called Shortcut, which is a logistics app in its own right. This app connects people to barbers. He had much to share about his experience in the startup world, so I'm excited for you guys to tune in. Let's take a listen. Okay, so today we have Jeffrey Pugh, consultant at Accenture and head of legal at Shortcut. How are you doing today, Jeff? I'm I'm great. Can't complain. So, Jeff, I follow you a lot on Snapchat and Instagram. And let me tell you, it seems like you're just killing it at life. You're always at parties or on some boat. And it makes people like me who sit on their couch on Friday nights wonder, like, what am I doing with myself? <laughs> um, and then so as I was scrolling through your Instagram and um, looking at some of your social media, I was thinking of this article that I read recently that sort of categorized different um, folks at parties. So there's like the folk, the folks that hold up the wall, the people who sort of hype the crowd up. What would you think that, you know, where, where do you think you fit as a party person? And do you think that sort of translates in life at all? Oh, absolutely. So I'm the one talking to everyone, right? So I'm, I'm bringing the energy um, I'm definitely hyping the party up, but um, <laughs> but see, when you bring a lot of energy to the party, like people feed off of it, right? And so okay. it makes it real easy to talk to a lot of people in the room, right? Mm -hmm. um, so when you're bringing a lot of energy, you you a lot of the times when you look and uh, are perceived as one of the most open people in the room. So I'm the one that's talking to four different groups of people in the same in the same environment so, so you're, you're the networker in this yeah <laughs> okay so it, i can it's, it's it's natural though like when you're like i said when you're in the party and you're giving off a lot of energy when you're having fun like it makes you very approachable right mm -hmm. um and so i and then on top of that i like to talk to people so i like when people approach me and i have no problem you know talking and 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 seeing what they're about Okay, okay. And you think that sort of translates over to your career or how you live your life in general? Oh, absolutely. Um, ne networking is everything <laughs> uh, from, from top to bottom. Um, consulting is, is really big, is uh, really big on um, um, getting to know your clients, um, at being very client facing, um, being comfortable with talking to people that are uh, both different than you and at levels a lot higher than you, such as C-suites and things like that and networking um, and eventually getting to a level where, where you're selling work, right? So you have to be very personable in consulting. Um, it's a very fast, fast-paced and people-driven field. So, um, and as well as in startups, right? So like resource-wise, when you're looking for a new developer or a mm -hmm. new um someone to do graphic design or pretty much mm -hmm. anything you fill in the blank you've you've got to know people right 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 so already you're dropping gems so it's all about networking and bringing that energy to draw people to you got it got it so earlier i said you're a consultant at accenture and now head of legal at shortcut so i'd like to hear a little bit about your background so how did you even get there right so i know that you graduated from madison university Tell us a little bit more about your background. <clears throat> sure. So I uh, graduated from University of Wisconsin, Madison, um, with finance and philosophy. Um, two very 
very worldly broad type type of majors um and then so i went right into the jd program the law program there but with a very with a focus on transactional law so um mergers and acquisitions corporate finance um so making entities making joint ventures equity and capital structuring of companies and then ip intellectual property so trademarks patents brandings nothing that really has to do with stepping into a courtroom for civil or criminal litigation i'm really not your guy for that right um so just mm -hmm. from a very uh high, high level impact type of um of, of law right so um it was very natural for me to go into something like consulting because uh, consulting is, is also a uh, very high level impact. You're going in the companies, you're um, reorganizing them, you're redoing processes, um, you're implementing technology. Um, it's very transactional, right? You're looking at their expenses, mm -hmm. you're looking at all types of, of things like that. Um, but again, on, on my way, I, I, halfway through uh university of wisconsin i ended up starting a startup so it really fell into that that like technology scene as well and that really did mm -hmm. kind of kind of fit um and become a passion that could that fit with uh with the transactional law thing especially when you're talking about making companies and structuring companies um mm -hmm. and all of the different things that happened in the in the technology field and startups and as much help as they need mm -hmm. that was a very very natural transition mm -hmm. natural fit i should say okay so how did you end up at accenture um so accenture um so i started looking into again like i said i wanted to be very transactional coming out coming out of law school mm -hmm. um and mm -hmm. consulting was was really that just just the field of um working with lots of different companies working with their c-suite um, doing real transactional type of work. And Accenture is um, one of the largest consulting firm, both in like revenues and people uh, really in the world right now. And they saw my technology background and my IP background, mm -hmm. and they were like, this okay. is a fit, right? So they're a global tech management and technology consulting firm. And they just fit like puzzle pieces, right? So I really started a technology technology company with developers i had like a whole team of developers worked with a, a ton of intellectual property and i had um really just gotten out there and, and, and stepped outside of like your tip your typical student role and that's what really clicked for them uh mm -hmm. in terms of yeah picking up my resume like right right out of the crowd and uh it being it being a great fit that's interesting because my my uh, journey to where I am now is uh, similar in that it took me to sort of step outside of the the regular um, uh, journey for uh, a typical a typical computer science student. So I I went and did research and developed different mobile applications for healthcare, and I think that's really what. Um, was appealing to my company, right? And I think that's something to note for listeners is that like, if you wanna stand out, it's so important to have um, a background in technology, right? Because that's the future and that's what's driving companies right now. And I know a lot of companies, they think, hey, if you know we aren't um, tech savvy, right? If we're not in that space in some kind of way, 
um, then we're going to fall short and eventually die. And so they really look for that in um, the resumes these days. And I think, um, you know, your story really is proof of that. Oh, yeah, absolutely. And I've um, I've, I've told that to plenty of um like UW uh, students now that, that are asking me about, you know, how do you get into consulting or how do you get into technology consulting? And I, and that's almost exactly what I, what I, what I tell them. I was like, if you really want your application or resume to stand out, you need to ensure that there's some theme on it or that there's some passion about it, like whatever that may be, you know, even if it's, especially if you're talking about startups or technology, I was like, um, if it's like music or you're into robotics or sports or retail, but what about some characteristic about them? So like music technology or sports science or retail media, right? Like something, you know, some technology um, twist to it as well. And uh, at least consulting firms, we, we really pick out that, that type of theme. So um, getting a job, it's, it's a two-way street. So the, the when the mm -hmm. company sees that it's uh, you're, that you have a lot of similar interests with them that they're, they're willing to pick you up. Yep. Yep. Absolutely. I, I can only agree with that. So you've mentioned several times now that you um, launched a startup, right? Um, during the same time you were seeking higher education at Madison. So tell us about that. Are you referring to victory? Lab? Yeah. So one of the, the, I started off like many, um, one of my first ones mm -hmm. that I started with technology company was, was victory lap. Um, so, you know, you had a light idea. I just couldn't let go with, let go of, um, very tangible mm -hmm. and, and just made a lot of sense. Right. Mm -hmm. Um, and here's where networking com comes into play. I have this idea. I want to start a technology company. It was really a technology company. It was gonna, It was social media based um, off of um, networking through your um, alumni, right? So moving into a new city and to be able to network and find um, new opportunities in this new city. <clears throat> and uh, you, you kind of start from nothing because all I, all I really had was an idea. Um, so then it, it was networking. I networked to a handful of incredibly smart developers or engineers that were in, in school also, right? Um, at least six that were either in, uh, software engineering or computer science, um, using all the resources at my tips in the school. Not everyone can be so lucky, um, but to, to, to go to a school to have, you know, a computer science school, right there right. but um, I also net networked to some preliminary funding um, and pretty much every other type of resource necessary graphic designers a brand manager a blogger really using the whole network and so then it, it really involved to once you have an idea and, you're, and you've got some steam behind it, it it's pitching 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 to whoever can open the door um, mm -hmm. I actually went out and got schools uh, all of the, I started off with like, like big 10, like I went out and I actually got them to give me like preliminary rights to use their IP, like their trademarks to embed wow. in, in my idea, right? Like these billion dollar brands, I'm like, Hey, you know, I'm a poor startup. We don't have the money to license that, you know, to afford it, but you know, can we use it? Like we're aligning this with your brand um, <laughs> mm -hmm. and, and getting that rolling. So uh, the startup scene, your your first startup, it's it's absolutely blissful. <laughs> mm -hmm. um, the first time around, you have no idea what you're getting into, but you you have a lot of energy to just tackle whatever yeah. problem it is, right? Like right. There, there's really no fear to go up and ask to, to ask you know these these uh, schools for their for their brand or their IP because 
you know, that, that's mm-hmm. what it is. So it, the experience was really un- unforgettable. Okay. Okay. So what's your biggest learning um, from that first startup? Um, so one of the biggest things that I, I learned is you, you really have to, to put the company above all else. So one of the reasons that we didn't really work out and we, and we made it far, right? Uh, we had some disagreements mm-hmm. between business and tech on like MVP and, and, and launch. Um, and you really looking, looking back and seeing like how much you created and how many like nearly impossible things you almost made happen. You realize mm-hmm. that uh, the company should always come first, right? right. Um, and the company changes at, at different periods. Right. So um, at any point in time, you need the right person leading the company for that period. And that's going to change throughout the life cycle of, of a company. Um, okay. So I think at a, at a certain point, um, we, we could have s- switched some roles up. Right. Um, mm-hmm. And also another thing is that there's no such thing as perfection, especially in the technology yeah. space. Right. Nothing mm-hmm. is ever going to be ready. <laughs> Nothing right. is ever going to to be ready, but you really have to get it out there. That is one of the biggest things that I learned is that there really is no such thing as perfection. Um, and the last yeah. thing is that, like, the first one is literally only the beginning. Yeah. Right. Yeah. Okay. That's deep. Yeah. The, the first one is like you rarely ever get as much as you are, like, so driven by your first idea and you have all the energy in the world for it. Uh, the first one is literally only the beginning. No one ever really gets it right the first time, especially in this in this space. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So, I my experience with um, launching a startup is, you know, you have to. You're you're very right. You have to understand that perfection is not a thing, right? And if you're aiming for perfection, then you're aiming for a launch date that doesn't exist. Exactly. So getting it out there is um, so important. Um, And I I, uh, heard, I forget the name of the individual. He um, now is um, an executive at Canva. I just uh, listened to a talk where he was saying that one of the biggest challenges for startups is that um, that everyone has such an ideal version in their head of what the app is or what the company is supposed to look like that they wait so long and either somebody else (laughs) snaps up the idea or it just falls apart at the seams before you can even get it out the door. So that's, uh, that's a a awesome learning there. And I also like how you said, yeah, uh, you're absolutely right. It is just the beginning. And I don't know too many um, folks in the industry now who, um, you know, got it right away, you know? So that's like a one in a billion chance. Yeah. Um, and I think that that's, that's useful for folks to, um, to keep in the back of their minds, right? Because some folks are so um, fearful of launching a startup because they so want it to work out. But really, I think that um, the thing that you want to gain the most, obviously you want to win, but also understand that it's all about, your first time is all about learning and, um, and, and taking in as many lessons as possible especially if you intend on being an entrepreneur, right? For the long haul. Oh yeah. So absolutely. Yep. Awesome. Awesome. So thanks for sharing about victory lap. Um, So when did you dissolve victory lap or have, Um, I I did. And I believe that was mid 20s. 
early 2017. So okay. we were from, I think we started in early or mid 2014 till 2017. Okay. So it was, it wasn't a short journey. <laughs> yeah, but a lot. Of right. But a, but a lot of learning. You're absolutely right. Like that's, that's really the first one is, is such a learning experience. Um, yep. And you have the energy to learn all of that, right? Because there's, yep. there's, there's no problem too big in that first one. <laughs> got it, got it. So now you are head of legal at Shortcut. Tell me about that. Um, yeah, so in crux of, of, of just the beginning, right? So I've been head of, head of legal for Shortcut uh, almost a year now. Um, and... Uh, how I became head of legal at Shortcut is they um, actually the, the the CTO of of Victory Lab. Um, he went on to Goldman Sachs, then he went on to Tableau, and he went on to actually become um, CEO of Shortcut four years later. And he brought me in to tackle some regulatory issues in, in certain states as part of their next phase of raising money. And I really found that, you know, the, the company wasn't properly structured. So I ended up coming in and really restructuring the whole company from top to bottom. And, and I mean that by um, uh, equity-wise, capital-wise, I mean getting rid of some founders, um, re why, uh, redoing the C-suite. So um, getting rid of uh, actually kind of ousting somebody out of there and just like from top to bottom uh, re restructuring the company. And they were just kind of like, okay, wow, like we, we, we have to have you. Like we knew that this was your, your kind of bread and butter area, but... Mm -hmm. <laughs> You know, I, I really went to went to bat for the company, um, especially with a lot of uh, shareholders that weren't necessarily happy with the restructuring and things like that. Um, and and here I am, right? Uh, so it, it's evolved into a lot more work. It started off with a lot of capital and equity restructuring, and then reissuing mm -hmm. um, the type of uh, of equity plan that we have from stock options to restrict it to restrict it. Restricted, restricted stock purchasing agreements, um, and like now I'm doing tons of like IP and branding strategy. So, awesome, awesome. So it looks like you're helping them out quite a bit, <laughs> and full circle, right? So you were you were talking about the importance of having a, a good solid network, and so it was the the person that you um, had on your team for Victory Lab that sort of pulled you in. Yeah. It seems. Yeah. Awesome. Right. A couple of years later. <laughs> so, so what exactly is Shortcut? Right. So Shortcut um, is uh, on-demand personal services, uh, mostly right now in men's haircuts, uh, men haircuts and grooming, uh, women and children, very big in New York, Miami, and L.A. Um, we've had partnerships with, with tons of big companies. Um, so yeah, it's a, it's a, it's a technology platform, really getting rid of the, the, the brick and mortar of things like, uh, like, like barbershops, um, been very successful, right. Been around, uh, four or five years, tons of growth in the last year and a half. That is so, so exciting. Wow. Yeah. yeah. Wow. <laughs> Can I complain? Um, it's, 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 it's got a great brand behind it. 
um, and a lot of pretty proprietary type of technology that that's really boosted it. Okay, so where are you guys based now? Um, so we're based out of New York. So our main office is, is in New York. Um, but our three biggest cities, um, you know, revenue-wise are Miami, LA, and New York. Okay. So we're, okay. we're, we're pretty big in those three. Um, okay. Our tech hub was, in, was previously uh, over in the, in the San Fran area, um, but like our, our main office is, is now in, in, in New York. Okay. Are you guys planning on expanding out? Oh, yeah, of course. Um, we, are, we, are, we are actually across, we're actually nationwide right now. Uh, but I was okay. just saying our, our, our really big ones are, are L.A., Miami, and New York, but it's, it, it's nationwide. Um, we have started a, we even have like a, our own um, pro edu education center. So we're, we're onboarding, we're educating them how to be entrepreneurs, how to come on their, on our platform, how to build their book of business, how to um, bring over their book of business. So um, it's, re it's really, really also a, a managing uh, tool for barbers and, and freelancers. Awesome. So you're not, so you're head of legal there, which means that you're not like freelance consulting, right? Right. So, um, so yeah, so I'm, I'm, I'm head of legal there at full position. Um, I, but I'm also like a consultant at, so you, at, at, at Accenture. Um, and then I also have like, you know, my own, um, legal practice, which is, is separate from, at, from being at Shortcut. Ah, okay. All right. So, so folks can call you up if they need yes, your service. Right. Because, because I, I got so many ideas. I'm like, listen, one day I might need you to restructure my company. <laughs> it happens. You know what? Every, uh, you, let me tell you, startups do not get the structuring right the first time. And uh, mm -hmm. that is, is very, very, very rare. Um, cause I, like I said, I came in and I'm, and to, to solve, to help expand issues. And I'm just like, we're not, we're not structured properly to grow. Like the way we're structured, we, we can't really bring on the talent we need, right? So I guess since that restructuring, we've been able to, um, we've almost tripled in our, uh, and, and employees, right? So I think when I, when I came, we were at like um, eight or nine. Now we're, we're at over 20, right? In the last year. So employees, employees right? Nice. Um, because you, you have to have the flexibility in the company to be able to do that. Um, and a lot of that was tied up before I got there. Um, which 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 made the company really really immobile to and and resistant to growth. Wow, amazing, amazing. Okay, so so let's switch topics. Um, I'd like to talk a little bit about innovation, right? Because in the entrepreneur space, um, in the startup space, innovation obviously is extremely critical, right? Developing a product that's unique, either transformative or disruptive, is so necessary to success these days and i remember reading once that uh steve jobs used to um, break away from everyone his family his company and go far far deep into a forest and sit in a cabin and wait for ideas to come to him so i'm curious um how do you generate new ideas or um how do you innovate uh, what is the ideation process like for you wow so like so very similar uh i I wish I could get away like that, but it's really by loving silence. For me, that's mostly while while running or while working out or while tr in transit or traveling. So like no headphones, like no phone. It's really tapping into the time that my mind can literally do nothing but toy with ideas because there's nothing else to distract it. 
right? It's a blank slate. Mm -hmm. So I found that when you're forced, when you're forced to face boredom with no d distraction, your mind wanders and you're forced to fill the space, typically with things that you're passionate about, passionate mm -hmm. about or have a lot of experience with, right? So if, if there's nothing to do, your, your mind will create something. Um, and and then it's writing it down. So it, it's taking this idea for, from from silence, right? We're, we're finding out where your mind goes when it has nothing to distract it or nothing to focus it on, and mm -hmm. then getting it down. So when you're starting, when you write things down, you're starting to put things in motion. So ideas start make to things real, right? <laughs> so ideas start to evolve and have more and more depth the more you play with them because they start to become tangible, right? It was just an mm -hmm. idea. Now it's on paper. Now you've taken it down to the second level and you turn yeah. an abstract thought into something that you can refer back to. Right, um, right. So you really start to see how viable they are once you get them down uh, on paper. Yeah. And I think yeah. a, a very common misconception um, with that is, and in the startup space about that, that first time around is that um, I think a lot of people think that creativity is finite and that there are only a very few good ideas out there. Mm -hmm. um, but instead, I really believe that creativity is a muscle. Like you can't use mm -hmm. it up. The more you use it, the more you get the stronger it and you're better at that process. Yes, yes. I completely... I completely agree, Jeff. And one example I have right now in my life is for Jet Constellations. So I recently posted on my Instagram um, the process of getting my logo uh, um, of the young girl uh, programming. So the sticker that I'm passing out to brand Jet mm -hmm. Constellations um, and how I, how I was able to take that drawing and turn, turn it basically into uh, the company that Jet Constellations is today, right? Mm -hmm. um, and so in my story, I basically showed like the, the sketch, right? And the caption was like, put things on paper and watch things get real. And then by the end of the story, it was like a picture of um, Jet Constellations sign on the door, right? Yeah. And I think it's just so, I think it's just so amazing how we're able as humans to like manifest things. Um, it, it just, it's a matter of being creative, but also being um, brave enough to sort of take that leap of faith and, um, you know, jump and, and, and get outside of your comfort zone, actually pursue it. Right. So make your Nike move and just do it. Oh yeah, sort of a, a, absolutely. Cause it's, I mean, it's, it's only I, like no one can, no one can see it when it's, when it's just an idea. Right. Right. Exactly. Exactly. <laughs> Awesome. Awesome. So the last thing I kind of want to touch on is uh, representation in um, the startup space. So as you're, you're probably familiar with um, Jet Constellation's mission, if not, so we, we work to um, increase diversity and representation um, of black and brown people in uh, the tech and startup space. So being a black man, um, in um, in the startup space, uh, what can you? What advice can you give to um, <clears throat> other underrepresented individuals? The best I can advice to, I can I could give is to know why you're there um, and know that you should be there. Right. So it mm. even took me a while to become very confident 
and my like knowledge and abilities of what I know and all you know also what I I don't know um to say that like you know I should be in this room right like I representation representation wise like I haven't seen many people in here but I I have a, I have experience right and I have great ideas and I have thoughts and to be confident in mm -hmm. them um when when in those those situations because I've, I've actually found in, in the technology space specifically there's there's a little more breathing room so people are kind of unsure of your presence being black in technology spaces mm -hmm. but it's a little more with an optimistic type of curiosity um so I, i'd say generally i've been very listened to mm -hmm. when i do speak out um mm -hmm. and that's very empowering so mm -hmm. the more you're you're confident and um, you've established to yourself that you mm -hmm. should be in the spaces, you have the proper experience, et cetera, you have to learn to empower yourself by speaking out, right? And people mm -hmm. will, 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 will connect with that or people will catch on that you are a credible, that you're credible, right? Um, mm -hmm. Even though they haven't seen it before. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. A confidence is powerful. It's it's almost dangerously powerful <laughs> um, because I notice in my short career thus far is that you could if you say anything confidently enough, people will believe it, right? And not to get too political, but if you just look at what's going on right now in America, like there are people who are in positions of power that are there just because of how confident they are. Yeah, right? they, they're confident and they've just fallen upwards, right? Like, right, <laughs> right, right, right. And so it's just, it's um, just a reminder of um, understanding, you know, your power, understanding um, the importance of um, being confident. So when I, when I'm in a, in a meeting, I've learned to be, be present because what, what someone once told me, I, I received advice from my old boss is that, okay. Nadia, you're the, the black girl with the big floating afro in the room, okay? So everybody knows you're there. Also, everybody knows that you're not speaking too, right? So you, the, the spotlight's on you if you're the only black person in the room, right? <laughs> yeah. Surrounded by, you know, um, people who are the opposite demographic, right? Yeah. So... <laughs> So they know you're there <laughs> for sure. And and if you're not speaking, now they know that you're there and you're not speaking. So it's not like you can blend in, right? So um, sometimes leverage that as well um, and, and be present because you are present. <laughs> right. <laughs> you may as well so, use it. I mean, you might as well use it. Right. Exactly. Exactly. Okay, Jeff. So last thing, black men are good. I was scrolling through your Instagram and I saw you wear this t-shirt, black men are good. So I mean, what does that mean to you? Um, it's, it's an absolute statement, okay. right? Um, mm -hmm. There's no caveat to that. Like, it doesn't matter what, you know, what, what, what's this, what society or what social media or anyone can tell you at, at, at the foundation, black men are good, period. Um, there's a tons of misconceptions out there. We're, the way we're presented in the media versus white um, has just created s such a bias uh, against us. And, I, and, I, and it's a reminder. 
Um, that that's really what it's it's meant to be. Um, an absolute reminder to to all that you know, black men are good, and that that's it. You don't not good at basketball, not good for, <laughs> at rapping, not good because of no, just good. Good. They black men need to have and should have the same. Um, should have the same. Can't think of the word right now. Uh, Opportunity. Yeah, the same should have the, should have the same expectations, right? Like mm-hmm. we should have that benefit of the doubt that we are not we're, that we're walking down the street because we're going to where we're going and not have to do with anything else, right? Right. Um. So that's really what it's supposed to be. It's supposed to be an absolute statement of uh, reminding society of that uh, that black men are good without without having to add anything else onto onto it. Well- well, I love that concept. Um, and I've seen some people walking around with that T-shirt. And I was a little upset that I don't have that T-shirt. So tell, tell me and the listeners, how, how can we get that T-shirt? Where did you get that <laughs> we from? Get, um, in, in the same way, just, just contact me. I, I, have, I have tons of them. Right? So, <laughs> <Okay>. <laughs> uh, I have them. And, I'm, and I think everyone should have, should have one. Um, I've, I've, loved, I've loved getting them to people. Um, so I, I I have a bunch if anyone does need them. Okay. All right. Well, um, you said contact you. So what's a good handle to follow you if you'd like to share? Um, sure. Um, at Jeff VHS. That's J-E-F-F, the letters V-H-S, Jeff VHS. Uh, on Instagram, probably the best way. Uh, it's open. Anyone can contact me. So awesome. 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 Well, thank you so much, Jeff, for joining us today. Really appreciate it. Thanks for dropping all those amazing gems. Absolutely. I truly hope you enjoyed the interview with the brilliant Jeffrey Pugh. He's clearly making waves in the starter space, and we are grateful he took the time to call in. Uh, I was truly inspired from that interview, and I hope you were too. On that same train of thought, one of the more inspiring things I've had the opportunity to watch as of late is Nike's latest ad with the amazing, incredible Serena Williams. Basically, it's encouraging people, women in particular, to live out their wildest dreams and to show people what crazy dreams can achieve. Becoming a founder of your own startup can seem Kind of crazy at times, but if there is something you are really passionate about, my advice is to pursue it no matter how crazy it is. Recently, the folks at MKE Tech did a story on me. Shout out to Carl Ingalls King. And the story was basically about how I decided to pursue my crazy dream of branding Milwaukee as the Milky Way, an inclusive tech hub. The article is on mketech.org. I hope you take the time to read it, and hopefully it inspires you to show the world what your crazy dreams can do. That's all we have for you today. As always, give us a follow on Instagram and Facebook, and now we're also on Twitter. That's Jet Constellations and Down to Mars Podcast. The Down to Mars Podcast functions as a platform for Jet Constellations Milky Way Initiative to rebrand Milwaukee as the Milky Way Tech Hub, a tech hub that thrives on diversity. If you're interested in supporting diversity in tech, please donate by visiting our website, downtomarsmke.com. Until next time.